There's the music, and we're back underway. Episode 105 in Season 2 of the Cool Button Hockey Podcast. Craig Button doing a great job calling the World Junior Hockey Championship in his pool in Moncton. We're watching all the games in Moncton and Halifax. Craig, we were chatting the other day watching the World Juniors, and someone tried to classify where Connor Bedard is and where he will be ranking him to some other first overall picks, some that made it big and others that have not. So I'll ask you right now into your crystal ball, where do you see Connor Bedard not going in the draft where he'll be in our hockey minds five, 10, 15 years from now. So I gotta, I gotta put, I gotta be clairvoyant and kind of look to the future. Yes, I'm gonna to look to the future. You got to look back sometimes and 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 use other examples. Connor Bedard is doing something at this World Junior Tournament that I've only seen one player at his age or near his age ever do. And that player was Wayne Gretzky at the 1978 World Junior Championship. Wayne Gretzky, who hadn't turned 17 yet, led the tournament in scoring. Connor Bedard is shredding the tournament, shredding it. It's not even a, a, a discussion about who the best player is. After three games at the World Junior Tournament, we're talking 14 points. And when you watch a player of his status, stature play, you see so many things. I, I see so many different parts of his game. He burns hot like Steve Eiserman did. Steve Eiserman was a franchise superstar. Turned the fortunes of the Red Wings significantly around. Might have taken a little bit of time. So when you ask me about five years, ten years... Every player needs support around him. Everybody needs that support around him before they can be successful. I've always felt that Connor Bedard had a lot of what Steve Eisenman had. The great shot, the skating, the playmaking, and, and that burning competitive fire. So if I look back and say, you know, during the 80s and the early 90s, the three best centers in the league were Gretzky, Lemieux, and Eisenman. <laughs> and Eisenman could never get into the conversation on the first or second team all-star because those two guys were just that good. I think Bedard's in the Steve Eiserman category. I think uh, Connor Bedard, franchise superstar, will help a team have massive success. And if, if if management does its part, they'll surround him and he'll win Stanley Cups. Remember, this isn't on Connor Bedard to go and win Stanley Cups. He'll do his part. If management doesn't build a team, it's on them. It's on them. <laughs> it's not on the player. And so to me, you got a chance at Connor Bedard to be – uh, a, a great player, a great player, and and to turn the fortunes of a franchise upward, upward, upward. Talk about franchise value. Connor Bedard pushes your franchise value way up. Can he be better or in the Sidney Crosby conversation, or is that too early? Well, you, you, you know, we can you, you can pick any player you want, right? Like, I mean, Steve Eisman won three Stanley Cups. You know, everything that he did, right? It, it's I, I compare him more to Steve Eisenman based on you know the style of play that he has. I see some similarities in the game, the burning fire. But Sidney Crosby, you know, when you talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins when he went there, they, they were bottom of the league. They were bottom of the league. He turned the fortunes around. He's a superstar. Three Stanley Cups for Sidney, everything that he's done. I think Connor Bedard, you know, I don't know where he'll end up, but you want to talk about Eisenman, Crosby? He's He's got those qualities. I think Sidney Crosby's, when it's all said and done, is going to be the fifth best player of all time, in my view. <laughs> and that's unseating some really good ones and everything. So 
you know, I look at Connor and I just see somebody. I don't know where Eisenman fits. You know, Eisenman is to me isn't as good as 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 Crosby. But what, what am I going to do? Like nitpick on Steve Eisenman, a great player? No, I'm not going to do it. It's to me, if he gets anywhere close to Sidney Crosby, then that's going to tell you something. But uh, the, the, this guy is lights out good. I'll, I'll finish with this, Steve, because I, I laugh. I do laugh. People people say to me, "Well, yeah, look at what he did. It's, it's Austria and Germany." I said, "Fair, fair, fair point." I said, "But I just have one question: Why aren't the other players doing it then?" I'll tell you why they're not doing it because they're not special like uh, like Connor Bedard. And then I hear the other part. Yeah, the gap is closing between the players after Connor Bedard and Connor Bedard in the draft. The gap is closing. Like what? Yeah, like you know what the you know what the gap is? It's as wide as the Atlantic Ocean between North America and Europe, and that gap ain't closing anytime soon. Stop being so bloody stupid and try to run false narratives about the gap closing between Connor Bedard. He stands alone. He's the best player in the draft. End of story. Nobody's close. <laughs> if anything, what we've seen so far, the gap might be widening from what we've seen oh, in Connor Bedard yeah. doing so far. So you brought something up about a you know first overall pick who's done his part, and that's Connor McDavid. And when we talk about McDavid, at any point, they get really, really sensitive in Edmonton, especially if any of that narrative comes from the East. And we're both in the East now. You're just more Eastern than I am. Is there a Connor McDavid clock ticking here with three and a half years to go? If he had to do it all over again, did he wish he signed a five-year deal like Austin Matthews? Like McDavid's done his part now. He does not want to be Marcel Dion when this whole thing is said and done. And for you kids out there, Marcel Dion was one heck of a player, but he never played on a championship team. Wasn't his fault because he's a player. He's not the general manager. So is it early the right time to discuss the McDavid clock ticking in Edmonton, where at times this year we've wondered, wow, like, wow, is there room for both the Oilers and the Flames if Seattle's for real and LA looks good and Vegas and, then you start looking at wild card. Then you start looking at the central. So is there a TikTok going on? And I don't mean the one the kids are watching. What I would say to that is, is you know, like, I mean, sensitivities run. And you know that, Steve. And, you know, every day you host a show and, you know, fans tune in and they're sensitive to their own team. And they they love the the positives. And they, oh, I can't believe he said that on our team. And you know, as long as it's accurate, listen. When I talk about Connor McDavid, like what more could you ask from Connor McDavid? Like when you when you think about from the time he entered the league to now, what more you, you can't. But guess what? It's not on Connor McDavid to build the team. It's not on Connor McDavid to surround to 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 fill in the areas of the team to strengthen it. It's on the management. And at this point in time, they haven't they haven't built a championship team. They haven't built a cal a, a caliber of a team that does that. So when you're wired like Connor McDavid, who wants to win. And, and, and it's just, you know, just chomping at the bit. Like last year in the playoffs, like the, when he scored that overtime goal to eliminate the Calgary Flames, just go and watch that. Watch the joy and, and the exhilaration that he has from, I, like, I just were into the conference final. just And then losing to Colorado and the disappointment, right? And, like, you know, so th that's, how, that's how competitors are wired. I'm a huge believer that if you play like a champion, you will intersect with champion with championships doesn't mean you always always have like marcel dion but he plays like a champion he, he can't build the team so like 
when you're Connor McDavid and you're this age and you're you're burning to win, yeah, the clock is ticking. Of course it's ticking. Anybody that wants to say otherwise isn't paying attention. Is Connor McDavid going to come out and say the clock is ticking? No, because he's not like that. But the clock's ticking. And if you don't believe that, then get your go put your head back in the sand. And I hope that the sand bugs don't bite your ears off. <laughs> because he'll turn 26 in January. It's been, even with two major injuries, it's been an unbelievable start to his career, a midpoint of a career, if we can even say that he's there yet. Maybe not. It's, maybe it's the third marker, almost at the midpoint. But even the other night, it's 1-1, Euler power play. So that's why I didn't win the heart, right? Because I didn't score 60? Okay. All right. You know, and he might not score 60 this year, but he went, okay. There's a premium on goals. I hear you. He spins around, gets the puck, makes a move, and rips a shot in that maybe he wouldn't have made or a play he wouldn't have made in his rookie year or second year or his third year. Crosby went back and worked on faceoffs. McDavid's gone and, I guess, worked on his shot a little bit because right now, this whole season, he's been literally shot out of a cannon, and they're so top-heavy. Of course, they miss Kane. So while that's going on, the narrative is, who is there to take care of Mackenzie Weger? Which was a question asked to Jay Woodcroft, which me and you will ask each other in a different era on a play that wasn't egregiously dirty without Semenko or McSorley in the lineup. Who's going to do what, Craig? In a game that we're almost talking about fighting for a playoff spot, are you going to go in and rough up Mackenzie Weger, the noted Ogie Oglethorpe, and get a double minor, then lose the game, then miss the playoffs? And then the McTavid clock ticks even quicker. I don't get it. Like, I, I understand the Edler play probably a bit more, but we're in a spot now where it's almost as if everyone wants a policeman, even though that a policeman can't dress and contribute. So that's kind of the dilemma. Everyone asks the question, although I already think, Craig, they know the answer before they finish asking the question. Do you know what I'm saying? They want what? To jeopardize the two points? To have someone who's not in the lineup take care of the business? To have a play that was, you know, looked at from many different perspectives? It's interesting because I think sometimes people want a 1987 response to 2022. And I think they have to realize it's mostly not going to happen unless you have a Reeves or Wilson dressed in your lineup. What do you think? Steve, I was at my mother's house just before Christmas and, you know, she's kept a lot of things over the years and it came across a box and it had lovely music in it. Lovely music. I mean, my dad was a country music fan. There was some Johnny Cash. There was some Waylon Jennings. There was some Ray Price. You know, it was a, it was very interesting. Right? And I said, oh, this is wonderful. It was wonderful. Like I'm looking at it and go, oh, wouldn't it be great to play this right now? Unfortunately, they don't make eight-track tapes anymore, Steve. And so those are eight-track tapes. They don't have eight-track tape players. So those things are sitting in the box. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice in the time when you could play them. And my dad used to put them in the eight-track tape player in his car. There's no more eight-track tape players. And you know who's pushing all these narratives? People that don't want to move forward. that want to live in the past. And, oh, this is how it used to be. We're not there anymore, Steve. We're not there anymore. You know what? Try to try to think of the internet. Do you, you remember when internet started and we had fifty and we had dial up fifty uh, fifty KB? We go oh, look at fifty KB. <laughs> you know, get 
past it. The game has changed. People that keep talking about, oh, you got to address it. Like, seriously, all you're doing is is telling on yourself and saying, geez, I'm not really progressive. I want to go back to something that doesn't exist anymore. Well, go and live in that world. The world doesn't exist, Steve. It's as simple as that. You know what? Kenzie Weger, it's a it's a hard play. It's a good play. It's a hockey play. Well, what are we going to do? What are you going to go and do to Mackenzie Weger? Like, are you serious? Like, I want to hear somebody say when Mackenzie Weger goes and delivers that play on Ryan McLeod, well, what are they going to do to Mackenzie Weger? Like, not, because not it's Conor Mc... Not going to say anything. They, they, they aren't. So, but, oh, it's Conor McDavid, right? Like, you know what? Celebrate what Dave Semenko did. Celebrate what Marty McSorley Celebrate that era, as we should. We're not in that era anymore. Be done with it. You play. The officiating is great. The league has done yeoman's work in terms of trying to make the game uh, more skilled, faster, and, and and you know, within parameters of rules where if you want to break them, you're going to pay a price. Honestly, Steve, you know what? I rarely get headaches. But this just kind of binds my head because it's like, you know, people screaming at the clouds and everything. And it just get over it, get over it. Greg, what what makes the world go around is people screaming at the clouds. It gives us uh, 15 <laughs> hours a day from just uh, us, our piece of the pie, <laughs> our piece of the pie. And some of the things oh. it's almost uh, exhausting trying to keep up with um, sometimes an ideology, sometimes uh old school thinking and all those things. And then it leads to the podcast world and everything else. And do, do we really think right now that if Kane is dressed or if Wilson's on, I'm using that example on McDavid's wing, that nothing ever happens because if something happens in a hockey moment, that is mostly a hockey play. I'm not talking about chasing someone down with their stick or an elbow. If Wilson comes over, most players aren't even going to, most players aren't even going to interact with them. What are they going to do? You know, lamb to the slaughter? I know you can beat me up. They're they're not going to go at him anyway. Does it stop? What does it realistically stop? Because if you're in the playoffs and you do it, you're like, go ahead, take the two, five and the 10, you know? So all of those kind of old school, old school into new school and look at the realism of it. How much of it is realistically protection how much of it is playing bigger like the Wilds seem to have done since Ryan Reeves arrived? Because there is there is a Reeves factor. How legitimate is it realistically? Well, the New York Rangers have also played better since Reeves left. So, you know, pick whatever you want. You know how you know. Mark Andre Fleury started to play really well too, you know, and 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 the Minnesota Wild started to play really well. But we're we're going to attribute it to Ryan Reeves. I I have nothing negative to say about Ryan Reeves and his approach to playing. But but that's that's going to be our explanation for the improvement of the Minnesota Wild. Not mine, not mine. Uh, you know what? I, I like you know if players and, and and I believe this right. Like teams are made up of all different types of players, and you, you're trying to look at at, at areas of your team where players can contribute. And I think that the when, when the New York Rangers acquired Ryan Reeves, they said, like, hey, we, we this is somebody that can help us. And then, you know, it came to a point where they felt like, you know what, he's not a player that fits us anymore. And the Minnesota Wild go, Ryan Reeves is the type of player that can that can help us. I mean, Ryan Reeves, when he delivered that big body check on Philip Ronan, right? I mean, that's what I want Ryan Reeves for. 
you know what? I don't want Ryan Reeves. I want Ryan Reeves to be heavy on the wall and heavy on the board. If he's going to play eight minutes a night or nine minutes a night, whatever it is, go out and be heavy, be hard, wear down the other teams. I don't, I'm not getting Ryan Reeves to come in and be a policeman. I'm, I'm not doing that. I don't, I don't need a, but if, if I want my team to be hard to play against, I want certain types of players. I want players with speed. I want some players with size. I want players with skill that, that pose different challenges for opponents. That's what I want in a team. It, Steve, the, the, I, the, the era of policemen is gone. It's over. Let's be done with it. It doesn't exist, but people want to keep hanging on to it. And you when Reeves, do, when Reeves does those quick, things, he, yeah. he is effective. Like, it is effective. And people move the puck quicker. People know that he's there because there's not a lot of those guys anymore. And I wonder if he'll be the last... Not about a guy who plays a year and a half or 47 games, but he's made a career, Craig, of being Ryan Reeves. So I wonder if he will be the Craig McTavish or the Andy Brown, the last goalie without a mask, the last player without a helmet, the last, you know, because when he's doing those things and he was the right, it was almost like he was the chocolate milk, the Nestle quick in your milk. They needed something else, right? They needed something to stir the wild. Needed They needed a lot of things. Better goaltending. But, you know, Greenway was better. And Felino was instantly better. And they've been kind of lucky with Sam Steele, what he's been able to do. And then Ryan Hartman comes back. So it was a perfect storm. Was the epicenter Ryan Reeves? Probably not. But the other part that we don't know is how much they, you know, something was missing off the ice in Minnesota. By their own words. And Reeves kind of brought it together. Those are the things that, Craig, were, were not in there. So in his role of what it is, nobody said he didn't deserve to play. And the Rangers had Julian Gauthier, so they thought he was going to be Ryan Reeves. So in that factor, I think we're both saying there's something there. But in terms of saying, I'm Ryan Reeves, I'm here. Don't touch Jared Spurgeon. That that stuff, I think, is what is, in your words, eight-track tape-ish. Listen, Ryan Reeves is – anybody that's played with Ryan Reeves and any team he's been on, everybody – speaks glowingly about Ryan Reeves and his personality and how infectious it is. The, the, those things matter too. How you come in and, you know, you watch the the little thing with him and uh, Kirill Kaprizov when he asked Kaprizov to go as his elf. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. That's Ryan. And, 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 you know, teams are made up of, of, of different personalities and he, he has that personality and, and that's a wonderful thing to have. Like I said, like it, it, it doesn't mean that he doesn't add elements and, and, and you want different elements in the game. But but if you're going to bring in Ryan Reeves and just ask him to go out and be a policeman, you're not going to like Ryan. You got to ask. You got to say to Ryan, you're capable of more. So give me more. And and when when you ask Ryan to do he's really effective. No player is going to like the game is not the way it was. And again like this idea that like oh yeah 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 we gotta we gotta need a policeman when when Connor mcdavid gets hit we need a policeman just you know what a lot of people in edmonton remember dave Semenko. i get it the game isn't what it was when dave Semenko was playing it's not the same way as it was and you know that's why you have to recognize the the environment you're in presently and then act accordingly that's how i look at it you want a team that doesn't get pushed around Pushed around to me now means, you know what? Team comes at us hard. Can we can we withstand it? Can we push back? Can we handle it? You know, can we make them uncomfortable with our physical style of play, our skill, whatever it may be? That's what you want. It's not about, oh, well, 
they have a battleship. We need a battleship. Oh, they have two battleships. We need two battleships. Oh, they have three battleships. We need three battleships. It's not an arms race anymore. And, you know, it's to me and, and people that want to keep, oh, yeah, no, it's not like that anymore. If you want to talk to the kids, Steve, I'm going to tell you just a real quick story. At Jerome McGinley's Hall of Fame celebration, uh, I happened to be there. And I was talking to Dion Phaneuf. And so Dion Phaneuf entered the league in 2005. But that's when he was 20. He had grown up in a different era watching it. And we got talking about the game and how you got to handle it and you got to do this and, you know, kind of this, you know, respond to things and hitting everything. I said, you know, Dion, I said, fair enough. I said, like, I understand that's the area you came through and everything. I said, go talk to Jerome Santige and go explain to him what you just explained to me and then report back to me and tell me what he told you. I don't know, it was an hour later, an hour and a half later, he came back. He goes, yeah, I just talked to Tiege. He had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> this, the, the policing and all that stuff isn't part of their world anymore. Was physicality brought up? Well, the, the, we were talking about responses to hitting, fighting, and everything. That's what we were, we were talking about, that era of policemen and fighting and everything, and, and the enforcer. Tiege had no idea what Dion was talking about. No yeah. idea. Yeah, the game changes all the time, and uh, some people keep up and uh, live with the changes. Others always want to kind of drag us back to the old days, and that's why I admire our friend Scotty Bowen so much, whether he was a kid in St. Louis to what he's doing now in retirement watching hockey. He always kept up with the changes, it seemed, kept up with the Joneses, and that's why he's always been such a great hockey man. All right, Craig, time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. What do you like? Who do you got? Three this year, one next year. So I'm going to go real quick here. On the 30th of December, you got the Carolina Hurricanes at home against Florida. Carolina's rolling. I'm taking Carolina at home. Saturday, New Year's Eve, I'm giving you a two, a double. Flames win at home versus the Canucks. Winnipeg goes into Edmonton and beats the Oilers. It's a back-to-back for the Oilers. They're in Seattle Friday. And New Year's Day, Buffalo goes and beats the Ottawa Senators. There's my four-game parlay. Friday, Penguins keep the Devils slump alive. They win. Saturday, the Oilers make it back-to-back because they're going to win Friday and Saturday when they beat the Jets. And the Rangers bounce back in FLA when they beat FLA. Things are going well in South FLA <laughs> this year. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook. Log on to SIA.com forward slash cool button pod. Sign up and deposit today. What are you waiting for? Canada's sportsbook is Sports Interaction 19 plus. Please gamble responsibly. We're almost at the official halfway mark, so... We look into the second half of the year. And what I see are races, races we didn't have last year, races that will give general managers sleepless nights, I'm sure. We've got teams that are not going to make it, Craig, and I'm not sure if they know that they're not going to make it yet. Some believe we will turn a 500 record into wildcard one. Well, good luck with that. You're going to play some great hockey. You're going to be a mathematician to make it work. In the East, it looks like 
the team most in trouble, even though they had one great night against the Montreal Canadiens, is the Florida Panthers. Do you believe that Florida will turn things around? Do you believe in many miracles? Because, Craig, I don't. I think we could have six teams in the Metro under a one-to-eight format that maybe are top eight. Maybe. The, the Metro stacked. The Metro has Washington that's surprising us. They got New Jersey that's falling, but how far are they going to free fall? Then we got Florida. I don't think there's a third spot in the Atlantic for Florida, which means they're in a fight, Craig Button. Why is it not working in Florida? And could you could you see them go OOP? You know me, out of playoffs. I think there's I I look at the East last year, halfway through the season, we knew who the eight teams were going to be in the in the, in the playoffs. I think there's nine teams for playoff spots. There's nine for eight now. Six of them coming from the uh, Atlanta from the Metropolitan Division. We know that the first three in the Atlantic have to make the playoffs, right? So no, it's clear. So what what team in the Metropolitan is going to be out? It's nine teams. I I see nine teams. Buffalo's five hundred, and Ottawa's five hundred, and Florida's five hundred. No, not no, I don't I don't I don't see those teams making it. So now it becomes a real battle for that that wild card one and wild card two. One. I mean, I guess one, two, three in the Metropolitan as well. Florida ain't making it. Florida's weak on the blue line. They're not good enough defensively. I don't think they have enough depth up front to you know. I think they've wanted to, you know, Bill Dito, I think, wanted to make his team harder to play against. And yet they're easier to play against. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a contradiction, right? Like, oh, well, I'm going to get Matthew Kachuk because we need to be harder to play against. Well, you weaken your blue line. You don't have players that really deeper down your lineup really influence the game to make it really challenging for opponents and make life uncomfortable for them. And you're trying to make your team harder to play against. And Matthew Kachuk's been an excellent player. There's no question about it. Your team isn't harder to play against. <laughs> your team's easier to play against. Your team's easier to defend against. Your team's easier to, to exploit. Your team's easy. The weaknesses in your team are easier to expose. Damn, making the playoffs. 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 <laughs> Who's <laughs> out in the Metropolitan is what I want to know. That's where it gets intriguing. Well, the Capitals are intriguing. The the Rangers, it's 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 fun to watch them, and sometimes they almost beat themselves. They they do some great things, but leave something on the table. Like it seems that they've left the door open to finish, you know, the end of February and get into early March and add a a right winger with the top line, or you know, do something to their top six. But by then, I'm not saying it'd be too late, but that gives up a that gives up two big months of hockey. You know, the Penguins, when they look great, they look young and spry. When they play bad, they look old and weak. You know, remember when they were six, seven and change and they were in trouble. Um, and then this week, they lay an egg against the Islanders and then they blow a 4 nothing lead and lose to Detroit. A, a team that intrigues me is Buffalo. Marty Buran says he believes the Sabres can finish fourth in the Atlantic and that could be good enough for a wild card spot. The Sabres can score. But can they keep the puck out of their net, Craig? Can can they keep the puck out of their net? I don't think so. Yeah, I, you know, Marty, you know, love Marty. He, he's uh, somebody that uh, believes in his Buffalo Sabres, and I, I think that's wonderful. But uh, 
I don't know uh, when he wrote his letter to Santa Claus this year if Santa delivered all the gifts that he asked for. <laughs> I'm going to imagine that that the you know that letter to Santa Claus you know might be still sitting in in a closet somewhere. And fourth in the Atlantic Division isn't good enough to make the playoffs. Not this year. They're not making the playoffs. They're not. The Buffalo, I, I think the Buffalo Sabres have made tremendous strides. I think that what they've done has been really, really good. They got a really, they got a positive goal differential, which is which is something that you can hang your hat on. It's not like they're 500 and they're minus 21. They're plus 21 and then they're 500. 500, 90, 96 points. You need 96 points to make the playoffs in the East. So that means that over the next half of the season, they got to play 14 games over 500 to get to 96 points. It's, it's not, you talk about miracles. It's, it's not, I don't see it happening. It's too, it's yeah. too hard. They're a little over hard. 500 now. Like they're on a heater, right? They were two under. Now they're three over. That helps the math. Uh, what doesn't help the math is all these teams in the Metro who have done, even though the Devils have hit a bit of a snag, how well that they have done so far this year. Wouldn't it be interesting if, and Tampa's played less games, um, it would be interesting if six of the top eight teams in the Atlantic were, or in the East were from the Metro. That would be fun. You want to change a one to eight format? It'd be great then if there was a team that was sixth uh, in the Metro that was good enough to be top eight. But I don't know if the math will add up in that regard. And Tampa Bay's got some games in hand and, uh, I think they're too good to be, you know, in that category anyway. But that's intriguing because you know what? That division right now, there's there's something there, right? You go 2-0-1, Craig, you move on up a little bit. You go 0-2-1 and, and, and you drop. And the team that's so intriguing is the Capitals because we called the fat lady in. We called the priest. We were ready to, you know, give them their, their last rights. And wow, and they've got Baxterman and Wilson knocking on the door. And you say to yourself, and Charlie Lindgren's been unbelievable. Kemper and, and, and even Carlson out like that. To me, kudos, kudos to the Capitals. And I'm not saying they're going to finish in a wild card spot, but what they've done to come back in the race, that's intriguing, Craig. Expect the unexpected, right? That's unexpected to me. I say hats off to what the Capitals have done so far. And that, okay, let me tell you this too. Like, and and, and you know what? I, I apologies to Buffalo because I, I knew their goal differential and I knew they were three games over five hundred. I I was looking at Ottawa and seeing them at at, at five hundred in Florida. So thanks for uh, getting me uh, corrected there. Tip of the cap to Peter Laviolette. Tip yes. of the cap. Peter is Peter is a he he wants offense. He wants his team to go. He recognized. Wait a second here. We we might have to play a little bit differently. This is they've played a really good defensive game, and that's what's allowed them to get back into, allowed them to be really good in the absence of some really key players. I, I tip, I think Peter Laviolette has done a magnificent coaching job this year in Washington. Magnificent coaching job. They, they, they give, they don't give up very much, and you know, to me, that's coaching. Coaching isn't saying play my system. You know, it's about recognizing, okay, we need a system of team play. What type of players do I have? What, okay, what what's going to give our team the best success given my situation? Peter Laviolette has, has done that exceptionally well. I, th- I think he's been been brilliant. Seven points, and I'm just looking at 37 to 44. So, you know, when you look at the at the playoff race and then, and, and, you know, and, and you look at the Metropolitan Division one to six, it's 
44. Teams are seven points behind. The, 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 the Buffalo Sabres are seven points behind the ninth or the, the, the sixth place team, right? That means you get seven points. You, you got to win four more games. Like then, and all those games in, in the Metropolitan, somebody's going to get two points every night. So there's going to be jockeying, 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 and there's going to be three point games. It's sorry, sorry, Atlantic Division. You know what? Boston first. Toronto and Tampa Bay are going to play in the first round of the playoffs. They should work on the playoff dates right now for Toronto and Tampa Bay. When you want to play, start working on start working on trips, and, and you know fans can go. Toronto fans go to Tampa. Tampa can come to Toronto. Make it a whole big start now. That's who's playing in the first round of the playoffs. They've already talked to Davis Printing Company to print the playoff tickets, so they're going to oh. print the old school greens and reds and grays. Uh, before we say goodbye to 105, we got to do the West. Is Seattle going to hang in there? Because if they do, and I look at their schedule and I just think maybe this will be a good story, but they'll be Buffalo a few years ago when Buffalo was hot. And then they just tapered off because if Seattle keeps third in the Pacific, which they don't have this second, or a wild card spot, someone else is in big trouble. And it might be one of the Alberta teams. It might be both of them if St. Louis and Nashville get their act together. Seattle is kind of wrecking things for some teams. They feel like, hey, come on, Seattle. In this schedule and this trip in January, we're going to know a lot about the Kraken. If there are any cracks in the Kraken by late January. And I don't know if I'm ready for them to be a playoff team. And they don't care that I'm not ready for it. But I just wonder because they, they've done some great things team defensively wise, but they're still not getting a save. Don't be fooled by Martin Jones's one loss record, right? And Philip Grubauer, it hasn't worked. I don't know if there's there's not room for somebody else if Seattle's in, Craig. Are you buying Seattle or is this a good time to sell their stock? Sell now, sell immediately, don't hang on to it for another day. Ouch. Bottom line is it's, Ouch. it's been a nice, it's been a great story. I think they've done the they got more offense because bottom, last year they didn't have the offense they have this year. The significant jump up with the additions of the players. So all that's done is given them a chance to overcome real bad goaltending. The goaltending is not it's not good. Okay, that goes without saying. So unless Ron Francis goes out and gets a goaltender, he ain't getting better goaltending from the group he has. Like that ain't happening. So you, unless you go out and find a better goaltender, a better goaltender, make a trade. That team ain't you know it, it's just gonna be. Uh, they're going to be just free falling. I mean, that maybe not free falling because they're good enough offensively and 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 they they're quick and they they are good defensively. Not happening. Not happening. They're out. And I think I, I think when it's all said and done, Calgary and Edmonton are going to be in the playoffs. I think Calgary's starting to look like a team now that's you know that we thought that they could be, and I, I they're more assertive, more consistent. And I think that the orders will find their way. I just, I don't see that. I, I, I see four teams from the, uh, I'll tell you the other team I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about the Vegas. I'm, I'm concerned about the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm concerned. Really? Yep. Well, they've been losing. Did they lose to Anaheim? And, and then they, like, you know, like, you know, you, you can't lose to teams like Anaheim if you're going to be a, a Stanley Cup contender and everything. And like, great start. And 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 they've been good, but like I'm, I'm not I'm not so sure about that team. I'm not so sure about that team. 
Well, they do have some injury issues, which is, uh, you know, a theme of many teams around the NHL this year. Some have uh, overcome the injury issues. Others are just waiting for some players to come back. And um, others just keep rolling along. Boston just said, we don't care. We'll figure it out. Uh, and they are right now as they might go wire to wire. But it will be fun, Craig. We're going to look at it in January and in February and in March. And if, if, if Nashville, St. Louis, Florida, whoever it is, if they go on a bit of a heater, as the kids say, it'll make the playoff races even more intriguing. Uh, for final thought today, I wanted to end with Braden Point. Remember what Tampa did last year? Braden Point was only healthy for, what, six games in a period? And they still got to the Stanley Cup final? Well, after a slowish start, I'm seeing some things that he had in his career season. I think Braden Point is a heck of a hockey player. He can get 40. He can get 90. He can do all those little things that people thought, you're going to the wrong dressing room. That's not the major junior room. You're minor bantam. No, I'm trying out for the team. Oh, okay. So a third-round pick who's done his thing, and right now your buddy Dave Randorf's got some great Braden Point calls. He's feeling it, Mr. Button. I've always been a fan, and that's why health is the most important thing in this world. He's got his back. Watch Braden Point, folks, because he's making a point or two and getting a point or two almost each and every night. Craig. Yeah, and, and you know what? So I, I'll, I'll finish – the health part after the Colorado avalanche. We know they've been plagued by injuries. We know Kel McCarr is still a brilliant player. Mikko Ranton is a brilliant player. You know, you can't just keep thinking that, Oh, when they get all their players back, that they're going to be just fine. It, it they, they may just, they may run out of runway this year. The, you know, the Stanley cup champions could miss the playoffs. They could miss the playoffs. I'm, I, I'm not prepared anymore to keep saying, well, yeah, when they get all their players back. When are they coming back? How are they going to come back? How much ground are they going to lose? I, I, I know that that's probably a, a stretch because the, getting McKinnon back and key players back it, are, are, should help. But when are they coming back? And how much ground are they going to have to make up when they come back? And, and does that tax you even more? Does that tax you even more in that pursuit? Or, or do players come back maybe a little bit sooner? Or are, they, are they at risk of getting injured again? And you're, you're pushing players to their limits. That Somewhere along the line, you know, these worlds collide. And, you know, for I, 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 listen, it's a good team. I, I, I just, I worry. I worry about the Colorado Avalanche right now. You know, I'm not, I'm not giving up on them. And, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. And, you know, at the end of the day and the end of this year, you talked about great health for Braden Point. Well, that's what we all do. Great health and great health begins by having, you know, the love of your family and the caring of your friends and everything that goes with it. So happy new year health and best to everybody all the time great stuff couldn't said it any better myself the next time we reconvene craig it will be 2023 we'll be in the heart of the excitement in terms of the world junior playoff races as we're gonna crown a gold medal champion early in january for producer bruce bolton mr craig button in eastern canada i'm steve coolies happy new year everyone have a safe, safe holiday season, and we'll talk to you in early January with episode 106. See ya.